You are listening to How to Rewrite Your Stars, the podcast that is all about helping you to change those stubborn patterns that seem as firm as the constellations in the sky. Here, you'll find people just like you, sharing their stories of triumph, courage, and hope. How they were able to rewrite the stars in their own life. This is the show for you if you've been looking for that person who overcame, whom you can relate to, or if you're looking for the tools to be able to change your own story. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, a life coach and mentor who's been working on self-mastery since I was nine years old. Join me now as I welcome another phenomenal guest to have them share their story with us today. Today's episode is sponsored by Fincher Enterprises. Learn more at BenjaminFincherEnterprises.com. Welcome back to another week of How to Rewrite Your Stars. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, joined today by... I keep wanting to say Simon because it sounds cooler to me. <laughs> I have never been called that before, but let's go with it. <laughs> By Simon, is it Rhine? Rini. Rini. Okay. Yeah. Simon Rini or Simon Rene if you're French or something. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Simon Rini is a husband, dad, podcaster, social worker, and therapist aiming to inspire men to open up about mental health. He knows it's hard, so he shares his story of living with OCD, depression, anxiety, and even burnout over the past 30 years. His story involves working 15 years in a career that he didn't like to rediscover himself through social work before stepping away from that career to open up his own private practice. Sounds Sounds like you've been in it for a while. I have, yeah, and it's it's quite a journey when you start get a bit older and reflect back on life and all the things you've done, and you know you kind of go into autopilot and forget all these things that you've done and, and achieved, yeah. and and amidst a lot of you know mental illness as well, which is a really cool thing for me. Yeah, well, glad you think it's a cool thing because so many people just look at it as debilitating, and it's like, okay, mm. well, obviously it's not all good, but it's not all bad either, right? Well, that's right. I mean, I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't lived through all those 30 years um, and tried to figure it out for a long time by myself inside my own head and eventually opened up. So, yeah, I wouldn't be here without that kind of journey. So I'm, I'm grateful in a way that I've, I've done it. I wish I didn't have to do it, but also my life would be very different if I didn't do it. So, Right. Well, and as I was talking with my mentor this morning, you know, I've been trying to hone in for the whole time I've been working them for the past few months on what my message is. And I realized I'm like, wait a second. I've been avoiding this because it's taboo, but I want to talk or, or yeah, I want to, but I want to, you know, help men to be able to be more emotional because yeah. I assume it's very similar over in Australia, but at least here in the States, it's very much a, suck it up and be a man and don't talk about emotions and stop crying. Don't, you know, boys don't cry. Tough guys. And it's just like, dude, that is just so last century. <laughs> mm, it is. Yeah. And and that's what I talk about often in my podcast, like, like growing up in the eighties and nineties when I was a kid and before, you know, smartphones and before the internet, really, I mean, the internet was around, but it took you half an hour to dial up and, and get on and, and to slowly download South Park memes and all this type of stuff. That's what we pretty much did. Uh, sad <laughs> memes back then too, eh? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it was pretty much the edge of South Park guys dressed as wrestlers. I don't, that's all I did. Um, and yeah, and and during that time, it was it was you know I grew up in the northern suburbs of Adelaide in South Australia, so in the middle of Australia, down the south, and working class area, a lot of manufacturing, a lot of people working in trades and stuff like that. And I played Aussie rules football as well, so very um you know, a masculine sport and I was surrounded by guys all the time. I had three brothers at home plus dad as well. And, and we just love sport. And I was even reflecting on what was on in the movies at that time. And you're talking to things like the Terminator, Die Hard, Rambo, like these are the idols that we've got, you know, in a world before smartphones, when you can just flick through and find all these wonderful world of different icons and, and idols. But before back then, it was pretty much what the main three TV channels would put on the TV and then what you'd talk about with your brothers and your dad and all that type of stuff. And it was very similar. It was like, suck it up, be a man, to be tough, to be a man is to be tough and not cry and show emotions and, and all that type of stuff. And so like many guys, I bottled it up for 20 years. You know, So I developed obsessive compulsive disorder at eight, but it wasn't until 28 that I walked into a doctor's office and I said, I think I have mental health issues. Wow. So for 20 years, I was trying to figure it out myself. And, and you know, I used a lot of alcohol to numb the pain and, and slow the thoughts down. But it wasn't until I got the help and started talking about it that things started to click and make sense. Like, okay, there's a name for the thing that I'm experiencing and it's OCD, it's depression, and it's anxiety as well. And then in 2020, the burnout story happened as well. So, um, yeah, it is It is a cool space to be in, but a very challenging one because there's a lot of those old mindsets still around, around, you know, toxic masculinity gets thrown around, patriarchy gets thrown around as well. Um, but I think there's a, a wave of new men coming through and I hope to be as part of that leading the way, particularly for my son who's five now. Um, I really want him to grow up in a world where he knows that he, A, he can come and talk to me about anything and B, that if he is struggling with mental illness, that it's okay to talk and he's not any less of a bloke or a boy or a man or whatever he wants to call himself in the future, um, you know, he can talk about these things. Yeah. yeah, I think that's super important. And, you know, despite growing or being born just barely in the last century, you know, 97, so I'm 25 now, Um I still definitely grew up with a lot of that as well. Mm. Of, and so for me, it's just like, okay, yeah, like to an extent I can just suck it up and all that. But it's like, okay, well, you know, my wife and I don't have kids yet, but when we do, I don't want them to have to just suck it up. Mm. Yeah. You know, I don't want them to become, you know, pushovers or, you know, I don't know, wimps or whatever or spoiled, but there's a lot of gray area between those two. Oh, there's definitely is. And, 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 and you're right. Like as a, as a man or a boy, like it is important to learn how to use the masculinity when it, within us, the use of testosterone, but in healthy ways, it's, you know, there are times when you need to be tough and suck it up on the football field. You know, if I got hit and crunched, like me laying on the ground crying would pretty much end my career before it even started. Not that I had a career in football, but like I played footy for like 15 years at local club level. And, and yeah, if I didn't have that toughness about me, I wouldn't have been able to play that sport. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of guys in the US you know, through podcasts who've grown up in really rough neighborhoods. 
So to be a man and to walk out that door could be a matter of life and death in certain circumstances. I mean, you've got what's happening in Ukraine at the moment as well. Like yeah. in a war environment, you have to have this tough shell on you to survive. And that's okay. Like it's okay. But it's also okay to have to take off the mask of masculinity every now and then and, and say, yeah, I'm not doing well or I'm struggling and, and have an emotional side. Because when we do that, you know, we just are a bit more grounded in who we are. We, we might be less violent, uh, less aggressive towards our partners. You know, family and domestic violence data, for example, if you look at men are overwhelmingly the perpetrators of family and domestic violence. And same with suicide data as well. Men, 75 in, in Australia particularly, 75% more likely to die by suicide. And I like to, I reference those two, two stats for a reason. Like if they those guys had a way to healthily share what was going on inside, I mean, would they die by suicide? Would they, you know, get aggressive with their partners or their kids and or their or their elders as well? Elders abuse is another thing. I don't think so. I think it'd be a lot less the data because they'd have a, a better way of tuning into what's happening inside, but also then releasing it in a healthy way. But um, that's what I'm hopeful for my my son's generation um, and and generations going forward, and even generations now that you know, as we get a bit older, we can start to reflect and go, yeah, the stuff that we learned in the '80s, '90s, '90s as well, and before that as well, like you know, the decades before that, maybe it wasn't right, maybe it wasn't correct. Mm-hmm. Or even if it was for that period of time, we could still change it today and, and move forward in a different way today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, and even I'd bring up that being masculine doesn't have to be being tough either. Masculinity also has gentler sides. Mm. Being protecting doesn't have to always be fighting it can be you know creating safe spaces emotionally Mm -hmm. i love that yeah you know both men and women also have you know masculine feminine sides to them too um you know believe it or not for those that are hearing that for the first time maybe (laughs) (laughs) um but but and it's not to say that you're going to be a girly girl to act a little bit more feminine and be more gentle with, especially your mm. partner or your kids or even just other guys and just have a great conversation without yeah, just having definitely. to be show-offs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And even like as a dad, like, you know, if my daughter come up to me or my son come up to me, they're hurting as well. And it's not so much about them, me saying to them, you know, stop crying, you know, let's get on with things. It's, it's sitting down and going, okay, Tell me what's going on and starting that dialogue. And it could be that they just fell down, hurt the, hurt themselves, or they could be doing it. Like at the moment, my daughter is putting the waterworks on if her brother starts putting the waterworks on. So she wants a bit of attention. So it's, <laughs> it's getting through that as well. But sometimes as well, like we've had, you know, our son, when he started school, you, you know, he was, you know, potentially getting bullied or, or whatever. So we were exploring that with him and going, okay, rather than me marching down to the school and just pointing out the kids and, and you know, having a go at them, it's actually talking to my son and go, okay, tell me what's going on. What does, when you say you're getting bullied or teased, what does that look like? And helping him to dissect it and reflect on it in a way that he understands as well, but also in a way that's not in the middle of the crisis as well. Because what I've learning as a dad 
and through my therapy as well is that we often um, try to teach our kids life lessons when they're not in the space to learn, like they might be crying or upset and that's when nothing's going in. It's just basically they just want someone to cuddle them and a dad's warmth and dad's cuddle and, and caring and, and masculinity in that moment, the softer side of masculinity is a huge benefit for our kids oh, if yeah. we can just, you know, let, allow ourselves to do it and go, okay, I'm going to be the dad that maybe a lot of us didn't have when we were growing up. Like my dad never cuddled me um, or anything mm. like that. And so that's the kind of dad that I want to be growing forward. And we can change. We can, you know, reshape the discourse around what it means to be masculine and, and tough. And, you know, toughness is also softness as well in my eyes. Yeah. And... A lot of people, and this is maybe just coming to me, but a lot of people, myself included, have been like, oh, you know, if we could just have it, you know, how it was, you know, back in yonder year where there was more respect and more this, that, and the other. And that's when some people interject, well, the patriarchy. It's like, okay, well, you know, what if we just think, okay, well, take what was good from the past and just grow forward. Yeah. definitely forward and okay what wasn't working what is working what should we continue what should we stop what do we need to start and everyone's gonna have their different idea on what that is (laughs) you still have people that don't want to face the reality of the fact that they have emotions that there's no way they can escape them and it's uncomfortable because they grew up avoiding them the entirety of their lives and so you know, until we each individually come to accept, okay, I have emotions. How am I going to manage them? I have a mind. How am I going to manage it? I have a body. How am I going to manage it? I have a spirit. How am I going to manage it? All these things. And like you were saying, back in the eighties, nineties, and even before that, it was, okay, you got a body, build it up and go work. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I guess when we reflect back on like mm-hmm. yesteryear or, or whatever, you know, like our parents and their parents and their parents, they, I guess a lot of the time they did the best with what they knew yeah. at the time, you know, so mental health discussions, I don't even think it'd been really a thing before 10 years ago, really, in, no, in my no. part of the world. And and even only five years ago, I was still experiencing stigma and shame around disclosing a mental health thing in the workplace um so i think you know thinking back to the 80s and 90s like my parents mental health wasn't even a dictionary where i grew up so i don't even right. think like they knew what it was or what was going on or even to have those conversations um but a- another thing like those people that do go i wish it was like yesterday or, or yesteryear and, and because there was more respect i think for something like that i, I it prompted me to think you know how was that respect gained is it because that kid or that child was absolutely petrified that, that if they did the wrong thing or they showed the wrong emotion, that they would be, you know, smacked probably, that that was the, or, or berated, you know, verbally. And, and so they bottled it up. So while, yeah, there might have been a, a perceived respect or a perceived, you know, I guess, tolerance to, to that type of thing, what was really going on, on the inside and that's some of the stuff that's coming out in the guys that i work with today is all the stuff that they bottled up because they were afraid of what was going to be the repercussion if they did say something or do something that was against the norm 
that might have been perceived as disrespectful back in there. And that was the language back then. It was you're disrespectful if you do that. But was it or was it an underlying mental health issue or disability or something that we just didn't have the words for at that time? Or was it just be a kid being a kid? That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, as I'm learning as a, you know, as a dad to two. <laughs> like, you know, I, I just said I don't have kids yet, but, you know, sometimes I'll be around, you know, my nephews and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I like to think that I'll teach my kids better, but this looks like it's just childish behavior and um, that's going to be part of the package. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's funny you say that because I often look at my son and go, "Man, I must have been a real, you know, a real handful when I was a kid." <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad, um, when he was growing up, his mom, my grandma, told him, "Yeah, oh, when you get married and have a kid, he's going to be twice as bad as you, or, or or just worse as worse than you, or whatever she said." I get born. I'm number two out of five. I get born and start growing up. And she tells him, I had no idea it'd be this bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and it's so true. Like, all those things like, like, what, this got... hyperbolic this energy here, this thing, me, what? what? <laughs> it is so true. You often, you often say, I'm never going to be the parent like my parents were. But as soon as you become a, a parent, you find yourself doing and saying the same things that your parents would say and do to you. And it's just like, oh no, like where where has things gone wrong here? <laughs> right. And I'm again, I'm not there yet, but I imagine you have to be very deliberate with choosing in the moment or ahead of time and say, okay, this is going to come up or this is coming up. This is what I want to react with. How yeah. am I going to respond? Am I going to react or am I going to respond? Am I going to act the same that I've seen before? Am I going to respond and write something new? Yeah. And it's often after the fact that you do that. So you might, that first time you yelled at your kids or, you know, smacking. Smacking is one that is still around a little bit. And I remember I smacked my son when he, because I just, that's what I, that's what I knew. That's how I thought parenting was. But then I critically reflect and go, hang on a second. Wow. No, I don't want to do that as a dad going forward. I didn't like that as a kid, didn't work, you know, it belted me into submission, like, and that caused the bottling up. So mm. I'm not doing that. So I made that conscious decision, but it's after the fact as well. You're like, okay, I've done that. And we beat ourselves up. You know, a lot of dads beat, beat ourselves up for that type of thing. We, we go, man, I, I stuffed up. I'm the worst parent in the world. And mums do it as well. I'm the worst parent in the world. How can I fix this? And it, a lot of it's just, reflecting on that and just changing the behavior the next time as well um, so if you think you're the worst parent in the world that automatically means that you're not because you recognize you did something you didn't like doing and you're trying to be better that's right that's right <laughs> so you're not the worst parent in the world the worst <laughs> like, parent in the world is the one not thinking those type of thoughts and thinks it's okay yeah all, all buggering well, off and you know, not being a parent in the first place. So. Right. Yeah. Um, I had another thought that it was going to go with. And we'll say to go bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So my dad, when I was growing up, you know, 
you, we, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but we call it spanking over here. And mm-hmm. yeah, he, when I was about I don't know, two, three, and was starting to act out, if you will, quotation marks there. Um, the, and he would spank me a couple times, and then he told me this years later. But he started, he went to the belt and started whipping us, and that just mm. sounds really bad. But it was on the bum. <laughs> Like as a kid, it just sounded normal. It was like, don't make me come give you whooping. And hearing it now, it's like, man, that sounds terrible. And yeah, it, yeah. It, it wasn't great. I like, I don't plan on using that at all. But he told me years later that he went to the belt because it didn't feel right to him to have his hand coming in contact with me as a form of punishment. And so he just put a tool in between. <laughs> yeah wow and and it's crazy it, how to and think i preferred like spankings because it hurt less yeah yeah because like there's less leverage yeah and and, that, and as i said like like that's kind of the some of the norms that were back you know back when we were young oh, yeah. like that was a normal thing for, for families to go through and it's, it's just good that we've got a lot more research and education now in that space around discipline and and attachment styles as well and, and, and all that type of stuff and how children develop. And and it's it's amazing that your dad reflected on that as well. And like he reflected on that, even though it was years after or, or whenever. And and he and he had that chat with you. And and it's a great thing, critical reflection, because we can just go back and go, okay, yeah, what we did in the time wasn't right. And we and we justified it in certain ways, like you know, he justified it with not the skin on skin, it was the with the tool instead. And um and yeah like once we get to that critical reflection point this is the point when guys can start to open up and 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 discuss things around like masculinity and mental health and all that type of stuff because they can recognize that yeah the things i was doing weren't right and i wasn't showing up the way that i wanted to show up and it's those moments that i i particularly believe and that was like a bit of a penny drop moment for me in my own mental health journey was that moment that I started reflecting on the way that I was showing up in the world and what was going on was hurting me more than going and getting the help or, or even just talking about it in the first place. Um, they're the critical moments, I think, because if you push guys into, into a box and say you need to go to therapy or you need to change your behaviour in, in parenting or whatever, that's when you get that pushback as well. That masculinity comes out as a protective mode. Say, hey, nothing's wrong with me. I'm not going to do that. But once they start doing that themselves that's the real powerful moment i find yeah well even it's the yeah i know for me there's been maybe a couple times i've been called out with certain behaviors and it just feels so defeating because i've always you know i've been aware of it Mm. and you know obviously it can be done you can create a safe space and just be like hey can we like have an open discussion and it's not just a we need to talk it's you know there's a lot more that goes into it than that and and yet it's not impossible to achieve either mm, but, but it's creating right. that open space and saying okay hey can we have an open honest discussion here can we be vulnerable can we withhold judgment and you know, especially with partners you know you and your spouse or you know you and your kids even or just sometimes friends mm. you know? And I've found that I have progressed most in my life when I've been able to just be open and real. And sometimes that's just with myself. Mm-hmm. 
And other times it's, you know, being open real with somebody else. You know, that's why I decided to marry my wife is I felt like I could create those situations easily with her. And so yeah. many other girls that I dated just, you know, we couldn't even get past the superficial to what do you actually like? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone, can I have an open and vulnerable conversation with you about my emotions and how this, that, and the other and blah, 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 all this stuff that I don't even talk to myself about. <laughs> and I, I, I'm, I love how you brought up that, like that different relationships and then the one with your, 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 your partner now. And, because I went through similar, like I went through all these different relationships from high school through my early adult years. And and I felt like I was always trying to be put into their box about what an ideal life would look like. You know, what was an ideal Simon or partner for me and and stuffing me into that box. And and when you don't, when you have undiagnosed mental illness, like I had, you know, trying to put me in a box was like the worst thing in the world. Like you know, locking up a, a lion straight from the from the jungle into the zoo type thing. He, he lost all of his independence and and knowing of the world. And so when I finally eventually came to my my now wife Rachel, she was that first person who didn't try to put me in a box. You know, she she just kind of knew that there was something a bit quirky about me, <laughs> something a bit off, and she just <laughs> gently gently danced around that to a point where. She was comfortable. We were safe enough to tell each other, you know, exactly how we were feeling. And then she said, all right, Simon, now you, you're hurting the relationship. You know, you're drinking too much alcohol. Your behavior is off the charts. Um, I know you can be better. And I know you are a better person than this. And and it was that moment, that was that critical reflection moment when she started talking like this that I go, okay, you know what? I've known this in myself for the last one or two years. Now Rachel's saying it, and I respect Rachel. I love Rachel, and and I really trust her. She's not trying to put me in a box here. Um, that was my penny drop moment where I go, okay, yep, I'm going to go see my doctor and start talking about all these things. And 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 saying those words, I think I've got a mental health issue with my doctor. Was I choked on the words as they came out, and it was really tough. But then from there, I got the the diagnoses with the psychologist, and. And yeah, doors started opening about understanding, you know, the world and how I interact with it, but also, you know, me as a guy and masculinity and and, and patriarchy and and then now as a dad as well, and and it's been a good journey. But you know, the right relationship can certainly help us to heal and st- step on a path of recovery. It's just finding that you know that right one that's safe. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And. I keep getting reminded of this idea talking about bottling up emotions, especially as kids. Um, if have you seen Lilo and Stitch? Mm, yeah, it's been a while, right? <laughs> um, do you happen to remember they're like at a dinner and Lilo draws a drawing of Stitch and is like, This is your bad level, it's most of you. <laughs> And this is your good level. And just that kind of an idea, that kind of visual. And you can think about, okay, you got an adult and you got a kid. The amount of good or bad or emotion that fits into either of those is vastly different. Just talking about the size, the volume of it, right? Mm -hmm. So if an adult has, let's say, a gallon of bad in them from work today, and they let half of it spill over onto their kid the percentage of like the 
I know what I'm trying to say. How am I using words? The 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 percentage that half a gallon makes up in the adult is a lot smaller than that percentage that amount makes up in the kid, right? Yep. And so if you take that much emotion from an adult and they, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. You have done your homework. Go to your room. And it becomes this huge dump fest that now the kid has to deal with these emotions. Yeah. It's like, definitely. okay, that's wrong. I want to be better than that and dump my emotions on like a tree or something that knows how to take care of it. Mm. Or just, you know, let it out in some other healthy, productive way. And so oftentimes that's where it gets started is kids are just like, oh my gosh, like I've got all this emotion. And I think that's somewhat, if not a lot of what happened to me as a kid, why I started acting out is I would, I'm from a very young age, I've been very empathic. And so I picked up on my dad's emotions from work, which especially in those early years weren't good. He, I, I basically never saw him because he worked so much, mm-hmm. <laughs> which meant that he had a lot of stress from work because he didn't exactly work in a super amazing field as computers. So it wasn't like yeah. bad, but it was a stress. And so you know, I picked up on those emotions and it was like, alrighty, my spirit's telling me that to get these emotions out of me, I got to go crazy wild because there's a lot of energy inside of me now. So uh, we bounce off the walls, bounce off the walls. Can you stop it? Can you just sit down? Blah, blah. Now that gets shut off. And so now I have too much in me and can't let it out. And all of a mm. sudden, I needs to get condensed and compressed and it can't get let out at that point because it's too high pressure and then we become adults and blow up and yeah. leave the earth early yeah. or take it out on loved ones or just super 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 condense it until we become black holes of a sort yeah. and it all starts with just letting out a little bit in a healthy way yeah that's right and and, you know and as kids like when you're taking on that from a parent like the kids have also got like what they're doing at school or childcare or in this in their friends and the the adult or the parent or whatever in that situation doesn't see that because the parents at work or the parents at home or doing other things maybe looking after another child and so they don't see what that other what what the what the kids like going through, and then it's to dump that, and it might not be an on purpose dump. It might just be like, oh, like I'm just getting it out because I'm an adult. I've just got to get this out of my system as I come through the door because I've had a stressful day at work. You know, we can conceptualize all of that as a, as adults because we've had a lot of practice doing it. Right. But kids, they're like carrying their own little baggages around, and then to get that from their their you know, father or mother or uncle or whoever it is. And then they're like, okay, I can't even figure out what's going on in me, but now I've got to try and figure out what's going on there. And that's, and it's either like they act out and they, they can't figure out the emotions or whatever, or they go back in, they go into that, that freeze mode or flight mode and they might hide away. I remember, I remember like when I was, when Gus was like a newborn and if I had a rough day at work and, and I'm a, and because of my mental illness, I I kind of show it like in my relationship with Rachel, like I do show it. I don't bottle it up. And so, if I'd come home from work a bit stressed, and I and I maybe have snapped or something at Rachel or said something in a certain tone, like my Gus and even and even my daughter Pippa, they do pick up on it. And I notice that they picked up and they go, "Oh, Dad's not quite the normal Dad right now. Like, what's going on?" Particularly when they were babes. 
And like, cause they, you know, when you walk in the door, they might want to go for a cuddle or they might kind of hide away because they can kind of sense something's not quite the normal dad's not walked through the door right. um and they and they're like sponges they they learn and this is how they learn about the world and understand the world and 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 yeah it's really it's it's a complex thing and i think that's why a lot of parents beat ourselves up like we beat ourselves up because we want to be perfect parents and we want to to have this loving environment but we 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 stuff up we don't we come home and we we let emotions out because we're human and that's what humans do we we let it out in their, in our homes because they're safe spaces and all that type of stuff so the challenge is i guess a not beating ourselves up because there is no perfect no, there is no perfect parent right. <laughs> no one's going to be a perfect parent but also the, then it's the critical reflection go okay how can i do that better next time so that i don't dump it on my kid as i walk through the door can i let it out side first have i got a punching bag or something you know punch the punching bag or i don't know do 10 star jumps or whatever do some push-ups i don't know just get the energy out come in and reset and go okay now it's family time i've left work behind and that's really hard to do because we can't just shut off our computer and stop thinking about work or you know get out the car and stop thinking about work it it does come with us and i guess that that i mean that came out for me in my burnout when in 2020 when i was juggling full-time work, part-time study, two kids, mm-hmm. relatively young. I think they were under three. COVID happened. You know, I was burning candles at lots of different ends and to the point where they all just went out and I just stopped functioning. And and so stresses in all parts of our lives come to us and, and they stick with us. And as you said, it's about just finding healthy ways just to release it in a better way, in a, in a, in a constructive way, um, in a way that doesn't result in bad data for guys, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I remember the story, you know, there's a couple different versions of this, you know, you got the one story that's like, you know, the boss gets mad at, or like maybe it starts with the boss's wife is sick and he's worried about it. So he takes it out on his employee and then the employee goes home and takes it out on his wife. And then the wife is mad and takes it out on the kid. And then the kid goes out and side and kicks the dog. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, why didn't the boss or the employee go and kick the dog instead of having to go through two, three other people? Yeah. Or a opposite example of that same story is, you know, something happens at work, the employee comes home and says, you know, today's been a rough day at work and goes up to a tree and says, hey, you know, I'm going to leave this with you. And, you know, touches the tree's leaf. And then as he leaves work the next day, he picks it back up. And he's like, oh, it's smaller now. And that's the thing about emotion. It's energy in motion, emotion, mm-hmm. which is why it works to go talk to trees yes i'm a weirdo <laughs> <laughs> don't worry i talked to my lemon tree I, was, I actually threatened to just take it out of the ground because it wasn't growing lemons this year it's growing lemons so <laughs> <laughs> first time in i think 10 years we've had this tree and, and yeah now it's growing lemons so <laughs> nice but you know you, you can you can go out into nature you can even just go on a drive and just belt I don't know if it's heavy metal like I do sometimes, which if you saw me, you'd never imagine that I would listen to heavy metal. (laughs) (laughs) Or you just sing some like rip roaring, you know, we're not gonna take it. 
yeah. Or whatever it is. Or maybe you just need to go listen to some calm classical. But you just let the energy go out of you in a way that doesn't dump. Because if you yep. dump it, then you create a dump and it stinks. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I don't know if you guys call it a dump, a landfill, a dump over in Australia, but yeah, 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 yep. Yeah. Okay. It's the dump. Yeah. It stinks. <laughs> it stinks. <laughs> so just let it get recycled in a good way, right? Yeah. And and you mentioned some really good points. And you know, like I'm from mindful men, and, and you've mentioned some mindfulness techniques there. So talking to the tree, it's touching the tree. You talked about using your senses to touch the tree and release some of that energy. You know, that, if that's part of grounding ourselves in the present moment. We can get caught up in our head about the stresses in life or we might be angry or depressed or whatever. But if we can find techniques, and, and techniques can be through a podcast, it can be online, you can find techniques online. Try not to self-diagnose. You know, go get the professional help first and, and identify what's going on. But then it could be through counselling or a coach or even just talking to your partner or whatever or someone who's been through a similar story and, and find these techniques. So it's grounding, it's touching the trees, it's going for a walk, it's listening to music and using music as a, a mechanism to to redirect energy. Yeah. You know, I was, I was like you said, the, the funny thing around um, you love heavy metal music, I was, I was the same. I'm the same. Like I, growing up in my teens, I loved heavy metal music. I was... You know, me and my mates had our, a, a backyard band and I was the singer, or not very well, but anyway, we did it. You know, that's what the guitar's there for. Now, I, now I'm more chill and I, I prefer more folk and just easy acoustic music because I even recognise that if I'm listening to heavy metal, I know I'm stressed or angry. And right. I usually do that on the, tre- on the treadmill or in the gym or whatever. Yeah, same. But when I, st- when I flip it and, you know, listen to some soft acoustic, I feel relaxed. It's a different feeling. So I'm just tuning into that emotion as well and recognizing, okay, I'm in a relaxed state now. This is the moment that I can do some really good thinking or creativity or or just be good dad and husband as well. But if I'm listening to heavy metal, if I'm putting on heavy metal, it's it's a moment that I'm going, okay, something's not quite right here. I'm I'm a bit angry or stressed or anxious about something. I'm trying to build out some energy as well. So it's another mindful practice. Um, and sometimes as guys, particularly like we think about mindfulness and we go, oh, that sounds a bit hippie or girly or whatever, but it's a really easy tool that we can use to be present in the moment and get through these waves of emotions that either, uh, like mania or they're down or, or whatever they are and, and do it in a healthy way. Um, that doesn't going to hurt. That, that's not going to hurt anybody. And so if anything, it's going to benefit us and our partners and our kids because you know we're not offloading you know we're just just releasing in a, in a safe and, and healthy way yeah and this thing is being mindful is simply being aware of what's happening in your mind or in your body yep i, I mean i guess we could say bodyful but that sounds weird <laughs> <laughs> but being mindful is being aware yeah and that's right you know, we can tie it straight back to masculinity. Hunter-gatherers had to be aware, mm. including their emotions, because otherwise they weren't astute enough on the hunt and things went downhill from there. Yeah. So I yeah. wasn't a hunter-gatherer. I don't know how it actually was, but if you connect those dots, it makes sense that they would have had to manage their emotions a lot better than we tend to today. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and 
you know, obviously it worked for them because we're here now, you know. Right. <laughs> I think we're, we're creating our own, you know, chaos really in the way that we have the world. It's a, a 24, I mean, we think about yesteryear. These days we're in it and that I, I'm not sure what happened with you, but like at a certain point of the nighttime, the TV's all turned off. Like it just became white noise. There was no channels. There was no TV. I, I never had that growing up. Yeah. Well, we did hear like, you know, at, one or two o'clock in the morning, all the even the TV channel people, the people that put the shows on, went home. <laughs> but now it's twenty four seven, and it, it often feels every like channel. yeah. And you've got so many you know ways to connect with the world and and just be constantly on the go, like this hustle culture that's around at the moment, and and trying to change the world from our from our office home offices and all this type of stuff and. And it was a quieter time back then. And, and these days, like, because everything's so hectic and, and crazy, we we do struggle to really de-stress in, a, in healthy ways as well and, and talk about these things and conceptualise things because things move so quickly these days as well. Um, you know, one minute we're having uh, the COVID outbreaks, the next minute all we're talking about is inflation at the moment yeah. here in Australia. And I'm sure it's over similar over there yeah. and... And we've moved, even though COVID's still there, like people are still dying from COVID. But now we're completely focused on the financial impacts of what happened through COVID and, and how that's impacted housing and and food and, and goods and services. Like our, our petrol has gone through the roof. Like, you know, we're seeing all-time highs in our petrol and interest rates are going up and that's all we're talking about. And, and, and that gets you down. So we need also a way to... I guess a mindfulness approach is to disconnect from that all that and come back to what's really important. It's essentially the people that are around us. It's yeah. it's ourselves and recognize that that we need time out, but also our partners, our kids, our friends, our family as well, and 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 just tuning into that as opposed to tuning into everything else that's going on in the world because that can sort itself out. And in two or three days' time, you know, who knows what the headlines are going to be? So, so right. And in a lot of cases, while the headlines could affect you, they won't necessarily. Mm. But the headlines of your mind will. Yeah. So, yeah. Is, that's that's so that? true. That's so true. Because I remember when COVID happened, right? And and we were watching every single news release because they were talking about new lockdowns or new. We had a lot of lockdowns here in Australia, and 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 new measures, you know, masks, and then vaccinations, and then what's happening with the vaccinations? Are we progressing enough? Like, like my daughter particularly, she has a lot of um, allergies and and stuff like that, and and she had a lot of breathing issues in the first couple of years of her life. And so I was worried about if she got COVID, is that going to be the end of my daughter? Is she going to become a statistic of this pandemic? And I got to a stage where my wife and I had to just turn off the TV and stop watching the news. Like, I don't think I've watched the news really in two years now yeah. because we just couldn't take any more of that, of those headlines because those headlines then became the headlines in here. And I couldn't get it. We couldn't get it out. Like it was keeping us up at night time. We were worrying about it first thing in the morning. So eventually by disconnecting, and even though we lost touch of what was actually happening in the world in the COVID sense, like it felt so much better just to disconnect and turn that off and shut that headline down because then we could fill our brains with other more important things 
like you know getting the kids to stop eating chicken nuggets every night and try to get them to eat something like vegetables (laughs) (laughs) hashtag parenting you know (laughs) yes well and you know if i was to see a couple of the headlines that flashed across my mind over the past day or so you know man goes out with his wife on great date through the farmer's market and gets panda express for dinner Hmm. um Man keeps his promise to himself and gets the podcast episode up the day of, even if there was, you know, less than a half hour remaining in the day. <laughs> I know that pain. <laughs> um, you know, man figures out what he wants to help people with to use his mentoring abilities. Yeah. And it's like, you know, to me, I don't think those would flash across a TV news screen, but no. it sounds a lot nicer and a lot happier and a lot more human and better for the mm. world and, you know i'm biased to yeah. what was going in my mind <laughs> <laughs> but i mean you but told then, me simon was it w- w- which headlines would you choose if you were to choose between the two we just talked about oh i love that podcasting one because it's always on my mind at the moment I'm, and i'm actually I'm, I'm craving the day that i can afford someone to edit and do all my podcasting stuff for me i can i just come on and have chats with people oh, instead wonderful. of having to do all the other stuff associated with the podcast. If I knew all the other things that were involved in podcasting, I, I maybe would have hesitated, but I'm so glad I do it anyway. I love it. But Same. but it's, it's it's so true. Like, you know, by, by reshifting that focus, like we can just feel good as well. Like some of those things that you, with all those things that you were talking about are good. I felt good hearing them, that you were thinking about those things. And, you know, and, and, Guys talking about mental health isn't going to be a headline thing, even though everyone says, oh, this is such an important topic to discuss because it's, it's not... It's going to be a headline of this many men have committed suicide because they didn't talk That's about right. it, but they're not going to really mention that they didn't talk about it. They're just going to mention that it happened. Yeah, and it, the same the with family news. domestic violence as well. You know, Family domestic violence, we've had some shocking thing instances here in Australia that I don't even care to mention. Like, they're just... I can't believe they happen. And they're all over the news, like... This is men. This is men doing this type of stuff. Not all the other men going to counselling and talking about mental health and going, okay, like that's where do those feel-good stories. So we've got to create them ourselves. We've got to create our own feel-good stories through mindfulness, through redesigning masculinity, reimagining it, and for our fu- for ourselves, but also for our future kids as well. So, yeah. Well, and it actually makes me think. And I never had these, but if you think about the older papers, the newspapers, you know, if you had a city newspaper and you were in a city or a town of a couple hundred or maybe a couple thousand people, you know, you might have a celebration for whatever holiday was happening, or maybe somebody got married, or maybe it was, you know, somebody's funeral or, you know, somebody whatever it was but everybody in the town knew it It would still end up in the paper Mm. and so taking that idea and saying okay you knew this happened already in your life i knew those three things that happened already in my life but it was worth reminiscing it was worth um saying it again you know so it's like what would the world look like if we each all individually took our own headlines and said oh yeah this today this happened or this week this happened you know and actually um i don't know if you've ever heard of the book psycho cybernetics by maxwell maltz it's one that i've heard of for a few years and finally picked up a copy of 
it blew me away what it said in just in the foreword there was this one sentence and it says what um the the foreword was written by a guy whose life was changed by the book and he gives this sentence he says my life changed when i among other things when i started replaying the good memories in my life mm. instead of the bad ones and i read that and i just i was blown away i'm like that is such simple profound truth mm. how much different would our lives be if we replayed the good yeah definitely instead of definitely oh yeah that time in third grade when i was oh and i can't believe timmy like he still makes me mad to this day because he embarrassed me so much it's like or you know what if you were like dude fifth grade i aced the spelling bee i am a really good speller and not to puff yourself <laughs> up with pride but just to be like yeah good job yeah on the back and to and to an extent like that's why like you know you think about your phone right you've got a million photos on your phone that you've taken sometimes at live events you might be at concert even filming stuff instead of just watching it you're filming it through your phone right and so i've made an effort to actually print off photo like get photos developed and put them in photo albums like we were when we were kids and and so that every now and then like i it's a great grounding technique to remember all those times because you're you're not just sitting there flicking and flicking and flicking flicking you know and <laughs> even like this the social media like concepts like you you put a post out there literally within 30 seconds that's yesterday's news so unless yeah. someone was watching that pretty much in that 30 seconds or that five minutes or whatever that's gone but sitting down with a photo album with your kids or your partner or even just yourself in a cup of coffee and go and you're feeling the photos in your hand like the physical photo as you're mm -hmm. moving it page by page and you're going oh, yeah, i remember when gus was taking you know playing on his trampoline for the first time on his birthday or something because we took a photo of that and like and you just remember like it's a great technique for for doing that and getting out of that that 30 second news snap you know thing that we're in at the moment with social media and phones and technology as well it's um yeah it's great technique great technique that i use on that concept yeah i like that i'm gonna use that i chuckled because I got thinking, I'm like, yeah, and you could like share it with your friends. And then my next thought was, what photos do I share with my friends? Memes. If I made a photo album of memes and literally print it out, and it just couldn't help but laugh. Well, you send it in the mail. How many people send mail these that, days? Like, that would be really, yeah. that'd be great. That would, I'm going to have to start doing more with actual photos. Although I don't know how much a post post stamp costs these days. It probably costs you 20 bucks or something. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't necessarily send it, but, you know, when I go and visit them, deliver it and be like, here's a meme I thought was great, and then like, give it to them. <laughs> and then put it on the fridge. But that would be such a cool story, though. Like, you know, up on the fridge or it's at that desk or whatever, and, and it's it's another positive news headline thing that you've created there it, because you've taken something out of technology and given it to somebody it also helps you think about the value of what you're sharing and what you're mm. spending your time on is that yeah. meme worth printing out yeah or is it more worthwhile to print a photo out is it worthwhile to print both of them out mm -hmm. you know or is it yeah. worthwhile for you spending time sitting down creating it in the first place and yeah. being creative, because when we're creative, we're we're mindful as well. We're grounded, and we can work through 
the anxieties, the depression, the the bad news headlines in our, in our lives as well. Yeah, when I was just on that date, just before getting on here, there was bunnies at the farmer market, and nice. This is terrible trying to get the digital through a camera, but you know, my wife threw. She was ecstatic with the bunnies. And I'm like, okay, I love being here in the moment, but I also want to remember this years down the road. I'm taking some pictures. And then I put yeah. the phone away. Yeah. I, you know, took some pictures and my wife had the happiest rates. <laughs> so the next step is to get those printed. Right. And and share it with her. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I think it's another idea for a Christmas present. Put it, put it on a meme as well. How's <laughs> <laughs> uh, it? Headlines in your mind, you know. And look how easy it is. You know, we've just done it. We don't even know each other. We've right. just met across the opposite side of the world. And so it's having these discussions, and that's why I love having discussion around mental health and men's mental health, is because we can have these. They can be easy. They can be joyful. Talking about mental illness doesn't have to be, you know, down in the dumps discussions all the time. Yeah, no, there's there's probably that's what therapy's for, and that's why I do therapy. I'm a therapist, so you can have those down in the dumps discussions and get it off your chest. But there's also discussions around mental health. It's health for a reason. It's healthy to talk about what's going on in our minds and and talking with another guy is is a great way to do it as guys you get together and you can talk about similar things that you've grown up with and and how the world is and and how you interact with the world it's a great thing to do and it's a healthy thing and we should be doing it more often and promoting it you know normalizing discussions around mental health like we do our physical health yeah you know if if you hurt your leg or something you wouldn't hesitate to say simon i've got to go see the doctor this afternoon and get my leg fixed so let's just do it with our mental health as well. So, you know, I've got to go see my doctor about my medications or go see a counsellor just to get some stuff off my chest. Like, that's okay to talk about as well. Yeah. One of my best friends at the moment, he lives and breathes philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> but I love talking with him because we talk about ideas. Mm. And it, to me, that's such a breath of fresh air when all anyone wants to talk about nowadays is the price of gas. Mm. Which we've done <laughs> as well. Right. <laughs> it's not to say be ignorant of it either. Mm. But would you rather have a conversation talking about how the gas has fluctuated from this price mark to the other price mark to this price mark? Or... Hey, what about positive news headlines in your mind? Hey, what about, you know, what is the aether? Or hey, what <laughs> printing off photos of our wife with a buddy, you know? <laughs> right. You know, of those four things, which would you rather talk about? <laughs> Definitely not the gas. <laughs> which one do you talk about? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's it's that easy. Like it is. It is that easy. It's it's finding things like this. That aren't so superficial. Like, you know, remember when, whenever I go to the pub to meet up with the blokes, the boys, it's how's work going? How's your missus going? Or the kids going? What's happening on a football on the weekend? Like, or if there's some single guys there, it's like, you know, oh, what birds are you checking out in, in the pub? You know, 
it's all superficial stuff like that like we we sit on the surface because we don't want to dive deep and have those meaningful discussions that can really light us up like you know i'm going to get off this phone call and and go that was a cool discussion to talk about positive headlines in the mind. i've never even talked about that before we just made it up yeah you know? i haven't either and it's such a cool thing. So now I'll probably go do a podcast episode on it as well. Like, you know, because it's such a cool concept just to th- think about and talk about. So we can get past the superficial BS, you know, with our guys, with our mates and talk about things a little bit deeper, scratch a bit deeper and go, okay, why do you think like that? Like, you know, why do you act like that? You know, and and talk about things. It's not opening the door to a therapy session because there is there, you know, there's a process for therapy. Right, but sometimes it's just nice just to talk about things that are a little bit deeper than, than the just the normal headlines. We want to get through to the good headlines. So yeah, I mean, it's great to know that the New Zealand Blacks won, which I don't know if they did or not, or if they're even playing right now. <laughs> Probably they always win, so. right? <laughs> but if that's what the news always is, like, okay, what's new? What's actually new news? Yeah. So, okay, yeah. well, tell me about that awesome goal you just got. Yeah. And instead it's you know, what birds are checking out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like yeah. I I've I've known people for a long time and and every time I can almost guarantee there's certain people that I meet up with who every time we we see each other, it feels like it was yesterday that we we're talking about the exact same things, even though it might have been two or three or four years ago. It's like the conversation has never evolved. And you're just rehashing. It's like watching Seinfeld on repeat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to a certain degree, but eventually you go, okay, George is just, you know, giving me the earrings now. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I really like being friends with people because I'm that kind of a guy, you know, I love being sociable, being personable, but if you don't have something deeper to talk to me about than just what was on the news, on the tv earlier like i'm not gonna make an effort to meet up with you Hmm. but you know if we can like actually have some kind of a conversation or play some games or have a laugh or whatever you know okay yeah come over let's let's do something let's have a dinner yeah um but i mean it reminds me i just got a group of of friends together to play dungeons and dragons and i you know i did that previously with a good group and it had its time and this time i was like okay choosing because i tried another time and that didn't work i tried just co-workers and it didn't work they weren't actually committed but this time i was like okay who actually is like a good fit mm. and i was deliberate with it and intentional and said okay who do i want to spend time with who has who would bring a good synergy to this group to where we have a good time, to where we talk about new ideas, to where we develop new stories instead of just who says they're available. Mm. Yeah. And that goes to that redefining your own inner circle as well. Like, you know, yeah. we can get stuck in our inner circle and and everything feels so negative and, and, and annoying and frustrating but we can we can shift that. We can flip the switch and and find, as you said, like find people that fill our cups, you know. And it can be hard letting go of old relationships, particularly family relationships that aren't serving us. But sometimes it's also worthwhile to do that because we need to grow as well. We can't just feel stagnant all the time because when we're stagnant and in our relationships, that's when things like depression, you know, frustration, 
toxic masculinity comes out, you know, uh, all that type of stuff comes to the forefront because we never just get past the superficial official stuff and we're always get stuck in these loops of negativity. Yeah. But yeah, as you said, it's redefining your circle and finding people that are a good fit for you in that particular context. You know, I like that. Yeah. I mean, my brother was struggling with some mental health stuff um, a couple of years ago. And so in an effort to help him, I started playing games with him and his group of friends, which I was friends with a couple of them. Mm -hmm. And to be completely honest, I neglected my wife for honestly like a year and a half or so. And this was like right after we were married. Because <laughs> <laughs> she would go to bed and I would be playing games with the boys online. And it was finally when, you know, this new mentor in my life showed up and was like, leave your loser friends. You're not getting anywhere with them. And I had, I took a look at my life and was actually took a look instead of just being like, oh yeah, I'm good. My friends are great. I took a look and was like, oh, all right. Um, I love them, but they are kind of losers and not making me move forward. And it's not mm. to say they're bad. Mm. It's just to say, yeah, those aren't the kind of people going to help me move forward. Yeah, definitely. And so I left the Discord server without saying anything. That probably wasn't the best move. I probably should have said something. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I, did, I didn't want to be coaxed into staying either yeah and so it's yes. like okay well i know that i might be able to be convinced so i'm just gonna leave and then like a month later one of them reaches out and is like hey like what happened he disappeared and i'm like i didn't know how to say this but um i'm trying to associate with people who help me move forward in life and it's not to say that you're a bad person but um <laughs> But but often we can feel stuck in those relationships, you, because, you know, because you, you don't want to hurt pleasing. somebody. Yeah, you don't want to hurt the other person or or people, and 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 so sometimes we get stuck. But it's it's just making that bold decision to go. Yep, this isn't serving me anymore. Taking that leap of faith, and and you know, I was I often think that time heals a lot of wounds as well. You right. know, so those people, can, and sometimes those people are probably thinking the same thing. They're like, "Awesome, you've done it. Now I'm doing it." <laughs> you know yeah well and and this guy you know i told him in the message i'm like you know at this point i'd love to catch up with you guys and play a game or two but you know i'm not going to do it every night and he didn't respond so i don't know if what i told him cut him he's just like man he thinks i, I don't remember exactly how i phrased it but you know, i don't know if he's like oh man he thinks i'm a loser or doesn't want to be with me or you know i don't know what he thought but i also don't care because i'm living a better life at this point you know mm. he's a good guy i know that but also we weren't in a relationship that was helping each other. It was our numbing escape for me and that guy. It was a numbing escape. And I yeah. finally realized I'm like, Oh wait, my brother's like good at this point. I don't have to stick around to like make sure that it's <laughs> mental health's okay for another year. And I have. you've done your thing. You did it. Like, and that's the thing It's knowing when it's time to let go. Yeah. It's a, it can be tough. But yeah. I can certainly agree to that. Yeah. And it's not to say I'm opposed to doing things with them. It's just I mm. needed to leave that particular circle. Yep. And, you know, they'll evolve however they do. I'm going to evolve how I do. And, you know, I hope it goes great for them. And I'm yeah. willing to help them along the way if, the, if that's part of it. But I also know that I needed better in my life. And at this point, I've 
gone to bed earlier. I've gone to bed with my wife a lot more and you know, I've stayed up a little less, or stayed up late a lot less. It just generally it's been a lot better for me. I've focused yep. more on my business. I've focused more on my future instead of just spending hours a day playing League of Legends. <laughs> <laughs> and we can do that. Like we can, you know, we can do the same thing like a relationship with TV, you know, watching yeah. Netflix or something like that at the in the nighttime. I had a great podcast with a guy who did uh, nutrition for shift workers. And he actually said, like, if you're not going to, if you're not that committed to to go to bed early, you're up, up all night playing video games, watching TV, or doing whatever you're doing. If you're not going to set an alarm for four or five o'clock in the morning to do that, then why are you doing that in the evening? Because obviously you're not that committed that you're going to wake yourself up early to do that particular task. You know, so by going to bed early, we've got more energy the next day. You know, we're connecting with our partners more. Like my wife goes to bed a bit earlier than me. So sometimes it's nice that I go to bed when she goes to bed and vice versa. Sometimes I go to bed earlier and she joins me just because it's nice to do that. We, we might read in bed or have a have a bit of a chat or whatever. It's just a nice thing to do as opposed to the kind of feeling like we're living two separate lives and, yeah. and being more housemates than being partners as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the next day, you, you know, you, you've got more energy because you're sleeping better and and all that type of stuff. There's all that that evidence around blue light, you know, before we go to bed and, and impacting our circadian rhythm and all that type of stuff. But, yeah, like it's 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 just how we like contextualize things and, and reflect on things and 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 realize what's really important in my life is it is it this relationship with this person or this video game or this TV show or whatever else the act is, uh, it, drinking, you know, staying up drinking at night or you know, watching porn. It's, it's a guy, a lot of guys. You know, there's a lot of stuff around at the moment around um, addiction to porn because it's so easily available and, and fast internet and all that type of stuff. You know. Is that really serving us? Is there a way to disconnect from that and all sorts of stuff? And 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 yeah, like it's it's tough at first to do, but when you do do it, you take that leap and you get help. Maybe you've got a coach by your side or a partner by your side or a therapist to help you along the way. Because sometimes it can be really scary to do it on our, on our own. Oh yeah, Partic- particularly as guys, if we if we want to admit that something's not right, mental mentally, addiction, whatever it is, relationships. But to get that that coach or the mentor or the help along with us on the journey, it can make huge impacts and huge benefits and, and create new ripples for us and new pathways for us to go go along on our on our journeys. So well and even to give an example of that, um, using not mental health, <laughs> um the taillights on my car have been out for a couple of months and both my wife and I got pulled over. And so I was finally like, okay, I really got to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, she got pulled over. I'm like, oh, dang, uh, I should fix that. And then I get pulled over. I'm like, oh, dang, I got to fix this. <laughs> um, And so I'm like, okay, what, what can it be? And so I Google it. I'm like, taillights out, how to fix it. The, the brake lights were working out. So I'm like, check the fuses so i go into the hood check all the fuses all the fuses i check all the fuses <laughs> none of those I'm like what's the next thing is it the taillight itself I'm like okay go to the store buy some new ones it's not that okay I'll... and so then i'm just like um... and so then i start calling up my car guy friends i'm like hey this is the thing i've checked all the fuses it's not working blah 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 and they're like well maybe it's the switch maybe it's this maybe it's that until uh what was it i think i talked to my uncle i ended up talking with like three or four different car guys 
<laughs> maybe even five. And then my uncle suggests, he's like, well, maybe it's the switch. And you like, just get down underneath the dash and just start, you know, you switch that the other and make sure it's connected. And after he said that, it was like a couple of weeks later when I finally got underneath the car, it was like, oh, there's another fuse box here. <laughs> <laughs> so I checked that fuse box and there was a fuse in there that had blown. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe you start out on your own to begin with and then you realize, oh, there's something I don't understand here. And then you get somebody to help you. And maybe it was something you just hadn't done yet that you thought, oh, I yeah. should do this. And it just took the encouragement to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that example as well. Cause like things like mechanics and fixing things, like oh, I'm not a fixer. I'm not a mechanic. And I wouldn't even know where to look. Myself. So I'm like, I'm not yeah. a car guy. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to pay a mechanic to do it for me, but I don't want to do it because it's complicated. Yeah, but then and, this and example, guys, a tail light comes up, and I'm like, okay, this has got to be simple, and it was yeah. not. Even though, but it as was. guys, as guys, we feel shame and stigma because we didn't, we're not able to do some of those things. We because we're just never taught before we knew it. <laughs> yeah, that's right, and like, and like, we'd never really like. I, my dad never showed me how to fix anything, and so I've grown up relying on YouTube a lot to try and figure out how do I fix this thing or, or do this thing. And and often and now I'm at the point where I'm like, I know my limitation on that. I'm not going to, I've done two university degrees, not in fixing this type of stuff. I can fix people's help, fi pick people fix their brains, <laughs> you know, or fix their mental health, um, but certainly not a car or, or, you know, something at home. I'm just going to call someone and I'm over that whole, Oh, I feel so bad because I'm a guy. I can't do this type of stuff. But along for the long time, like 15, 10, maybe 20 years, I felt a lot of guilt around that. Like going, I should know how to change the lawnmower blades on my lawnmower. Yeah. But I remember sitting out there for three hours once, just belting the hell out of my lawnmower because I couldn't figure it out. The point where I just bought a new lawnmower, you know, because wow. I could not get these <laughs> blades off. But I felt a huge amount of shame and stigma about that because I was like, I'm a guy, I should know this thing. And I didn't want to reach out to one of my friends or, or family members and to ask them because I felt that guilt and shame. And, and like, you know what, I'm I'm 39 now, it's 2022, I do not care about this. I've got better things to worry about than yeah. how my masculinity is getting portrayed in my household. <laughs> so. Well, and I saw this short on YouTube, I think it was just last night. And, you know, I was making fun of it, but it's like how a man thinks it'll happen if he asks an employee for help. <laughs> and he shows him at the Home Depot and, you know, it's like a grandpa dad and his adult son with him. And he's like, oh, I think it's just around this corner. Like, it's got to be around here. And he's holding weed whacker with him. And then his son's like, just ask the employee. It'll be fine. He walks up to the employee. He's like, where do you keep your weed whacker? And he's like, oh, are you lost, buddy? Here, just a second. Let me go help you. And he walks away and he turns around. <laughs> his son's gone. And then over the loudspeaker, it's like, hey, guys, everybody, there's a dad in aisle 47. Everybody go over there and laugh at him. <laughs> there's just a couple people laughing at him. He just like runs out of the store <laughs> crying. And it's like, and the joke was, is what dads think will happen if they ask for help? And it's like, can we just like stop that? Like, oh yeah, ha ha, mm. funny. But like, how many people actually think that? Like, it's a joke because a lot of people do. 
Yeah. Like, okay, That's can right. we just like do away with you have to know things before you've ever had a chance to know it? It's totally unreasonable. Mm, definitely. <laughs> I mean, and my dad told me this once. We he was redoing our bathroom because it really needed it. And the people he hired ended up stealing a lot of money because they were not honest. Um, he tells me as I'm trying to help him, and I don't know exactly what he needs at that moment. He tells me, he says, you know, part of the reason I get so frustrated with you not knowing exactly what I need next is because that was what was expected of me from my grandpa. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's good to know where that came from. Mm. And so at this point, when I find myself doing that with my wife, I'm like, okay. One, let me explain to her. Two, let me stop expecting something that they have no idea to that they that I should expect of them, right? Mm, yeah, definitely. So it, it all starts with the individual. Oh, 100%. Once you get that moment, that self-reflective moment where it st starts with you, that's when the change, as I said before, that's where the change happens. And I always come back to that Tony Robbins quote, like change happens, whether it's mental health, parenting relationships whatever it is is when the the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change yeah almost like you and you and your your the, the group that you were with playing the video game you know mm -hmm. the pain of you staying in that circle was too much now and it was easier for you to jump jump ship and and change your pathway and change your inner circle um and it's the same yeah with your mental health and that's what for me, when I, I went into that doctor's office, that was my my pain moment where I'm like, change is, is better than staying the same and doing what I'm doing and what I've been doing for 20 years earlier as well. Um, and that's why I love coming on podcasts to share these stories and share the discussions like this. I've had a great discussion with you today. Yeah. And just show guys that it's okay. You can start communicating, talking. And, and as I said, it doesn't have to be down the dumps all the time. You can have lighthearted conversations, whether it's with a coach, a family member, a partner, therapist, whoever it is, a mentor. And just but just start talking, start unpacking some of the stuff that you've been holding on to for years. Cause the more and more we hold on to that, you know, we go through life with a whole bunch of baggage. It'd be nice just to get to the end of life and not have truckloads of just baggage. You know, it'd be nice just to let a lot of stuff go and and Go into you know the next part of our journey in, in a, a lot lighter space. I think yeah. it would be a great thing. You can move a lot faster when you're not carrying around literal tons of emotions. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Sports cars go faster than dump trucks because, well, they're designed to go light. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. <clears throat> well, it feels like we're kind of wrapping up here. One thought I did want to share before we finish up is when you'd mentioned about you know being in the bar or wherever talking with guys and it ends up just being superficial a mm. thought i had there is oftentimes it's maybe because we see other men as authority figures enough that we get reminded of when we were put down as kids told not to be that way told not to express to emote to feel and so then we're like oh they're a guy. They're a man. Can't feel around them. And then the cycle perpetuates, even though we're adults at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a great you know, reflection moment. And I think it's 
and it's part of that was like we just don't know how to communicate it in that situation we're like surrounded by other guys we've all got spears we're all hunter gatherers like I can't drop the spear. I've got to hold the spear, even though I'm, I'm trembling. And I, you know, I'm the first guy in line for that tiger. He's coming at us, and all that type of stuff. Like, you know, it's we just we've lost that ability to communicate. And so, but conversations just like this, like, yeah, even if if a guy's listening out there, it's it's a conversation about good headlines in your in your head. Have that conversation. Just be the be the change maker in your own circle and say, hey, let's talk about this today and go with it what's three things gratitude is a great way to do it like you know what's three things that you're grateful for today mm-hmm. but th- three little things not health family house like what's the actual thing you did at eight o'clock this morning that you were grateful for it's that cup of you know the cup of coffee you know the page it's turner the... novel my sister wrote that kept me up until three in the morning yeah Getting through that, you know, <laughs> finally finishing it, you know, <laughs> mowing the back lawn because it's been, you know, annoying you for weeks. Small things like that. Having a candle here with an awesome natural scent. Yeah. Yep. One day I'm going to get some new strings for that guitar. <laughs> that day yeah. is going to be a very grateful day. And it's got to sound good instead of sounding like rusted metal. <laughs> Just, just twanging, and I'm worried it's going to just flip off and just embed itself in my eye. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so um, that will be a grateful day. Yeah. Well, it's been awesome talking with you today, Simon. Lawrence no, thanks so much for having me. I've really, I've really enjoyed. Um, yeah, this chat is such a. It was such a powerful chat from the perspective that we can talk about mental health. Mm-hmm but in a way that doesn't focus on the illness component, the health, yeah. that more of a, the health component. It's really, it's been a really nice discussion. Thanks so much. Yeah. You're welcome. And, and you know, for the listeners, I love it that we're a couple of guys. I'm sure you're 14 years older than me, maybe, but it doesn't mean that I can't have an awesome discussion with you. Mm. Like, That's right. The more you get around, the more you find that we're the same in good ways. Yeah. And that's what I love about podcasting is that we can share stories that are very similar, but on complete opposite ends of the earth, you know, and that, and that in itself, that medium in itself, it highlights to guys and girls as well across the globe is that whatever they're dealing with internally is that they're often not alone. They're not the only people experiencing that. And for a long time, I thought I was the only one in the world who had OCD, even though I didn't know it was OCD. Turns out there's lots of, there's millions of people around the world just like me, you know? And 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 so if anyone's listening to this and go, okay, awesome, I can start to have these conversations. I'm, I'm not the only person thinking about redefining my own inner circle, for example, or the only person who wants to talk about mental health because these two guys are doing it easy you know yeah and lightheartedly as well we didn't know each other other than a couple of facebook messages saying hey let's have you on my podcast that's yeah that was about the extent of our conversation before we hopped on here yeah that's right and And we did it yeah here we are exactly we had how good how good a conversation right yeah, loved it. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I really did um, yeah. Yeah, enjoy this. Yeah, you're welcome. We should do it again. I'd be happy to. Yeah, it'd be cool.
And for those wondering where they can find you at so they can work with you or just learn more about what you do, where can they find you at, Simon? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I've got a YouTube. I've got the Mindful Men podcast. Um, but the easiest place to find me where it's got all the links that you need is my website. So it's www.mindful-men.com.au. Um, and that's got links to my therapy that I provide in Australia, but also, yeah, the social media stuff that if you want to, you know, touch base with me on social media, I'd love to, to have your likes and comments and DMs and all that type of stuff. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, again, I think it's just so important that we remember that we can live life fair dinkum with ourselves, mm. right? I just have to get that word in there every time I have an Aussie on the show. <laughs> you did well. I loved it. And you did it without even breaking breaking the phase. You're like, fair deacon. I'm like, yep, yeah, cool. <laughs> Think you die. <laughs> or another trip on the barbecue, mate. Don't worry. I throw out a few g'day mates when I come on to shows as well, just to do the same. Nice. <laughs> And we're finishing it off laughing at just some goofy cultural things. Yeah. Love it. I love awesome. it. <laughs> All right. Listeners, we'll see you next week. Remember, you can rewrite your stars. Go out there, have some conversations. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I hope that you've been able to gain that missing piece or get that gold nugget you've been needing to continue rewriting your life how you want it to work. Until next time, I'm Benjamin Fincher, helping you to rewrite your stars.